0: Hi, Michaela. Hello, Steve. Well, here we are back again in this dialogue format. The last few weeks, months even, I think, we've been having on the podcast excerpts from your live teaching events in Portugal and Australia and the USA, all over the world. Uh, We've been touring around, but now we're back in this dialogue format for a little while. So. What's up with that? Why are we doing this?
1: Ah, <laughs> well, it's a new year. Um, also, uh, the first couple of months of the new year, we are focusing on online, um, you know, programs. So it's a nice time for us to actually film things because we are not uh, traveling and uh, the internet is stable, and uh, we have some time to also kind of dive into the new. Um, you know the new things we're doing this year, and uh, maybe do some podcasts on that. I'd like to do an, uh, you know kind of AMA podcast as well. So it's nice to actually be back on Zoom for a little while, and then of course once we start live teaching, there'll be live Q and A's again. Uh, but yeah, I'm happy about it.
0: Yes, and we'll be issuing a call out for any questions for Michaela for the AMA, the ask me anything format. So. If you, dear listener or viewer, have questions for Michaela, please write them in uh, to us, workshops at MichaelaBohm.com, or indeed look out on Instagram. We'll be, in the next days, uh, sending out an invitation for questions there. Okay, so New Year's. This is the first podcast we're doing of 2024, and this is the time of New Year's. It's the time of New Year's resolutions. It's the time of reflection on the past year and so on. So my first question to you was, do you do anything in particular to look back or take stock of the year before? Often New Year's, we think always of the year to come. Do you do anything in particular to look back over the year that has just passed?
1: This year I did, which was really actually quite nice because I think, you know, you were talking a little bit earlier about the pandemic years, the, you know, the the black hole of uh, all kinds of things, <laughs> and so um, you know, this was the twenty twenty three was the first year we were back to traveling, and uh, um, as the you know New Year approached. It actually occurred to me that this was the first year back and I still had a bit of, I don't know, residual um, feelings of having been stuck at home. And so it was really nice to look at travel photos and look at the calendar and look at what we actually did last year. and uh, the moment i did that i was just so happy i mean so happy to have been able to travel and so happy to be able to uh, go to new places like you know our uh, the place that we're now teaching out of in portugal was su- just such a great find so i did actually for the first time in quite a few years go back, look at photos, um, you know, reminisce about trips, um, make a bit of a list of what we have done both, you know, at, uh, in the teaching schedule, but also the things I've started last year, like, you know, I have finally started writing again, uh, with some real joy in it. And, and so it was really good. And, um. Um, when I talked yesterday, because of course yesterday was the calling in the New Year's call, the traditional calling in the New Year's call, um, I was actually talking a bit about the resolution piece, right, where resolutions essentially are more about uh, dissolving things or letting things go. Uh, you can maybe uh, elaborate on the Latin origin of that word uh, in a moment, but uh uh, it is all about letting things go so something new can come in. And uh, that, I think, is a really good practice to do at the end of the year or the beginning of a new year is to look at what needs to go, what um, is no longer kind of a useful belief or useful pattern or useful habit uh, or even uh, you know useful way of doing things. And when that's been established, then kind of, going into whatever is new. So that's what I've been doing, and it felt really quite uh, joyful and nice.
0: Very interesting. And I understand you've been experimenting with a a journaling process also in the last two, three weeks. Would you mind saying something about that?
1: Yeah, that was actually really quite interesting. And I think, um, you know, now that we're talking about it, that definitely probably brought that whole um letting go before stepping into something new uh, on more fully for me, because um, I uh, listened to, on on my way back from uh, Europe, uh, when I was there in December, I listened to a podcast And uh, it was a Huberman Lab podcast on a very specific writing protocol. And we'll link to that in in the notes. Um, And it's a writing protocol that's been reviewed and studied by over 200 studies. And the interesting thing about that writing protocol, which really piqued my um, interest, was that it had all these health benefits. So it wasn't just m- mental health benefits, which we always know that uh, journal writing and you know freeform writing and things like that really help mentally. But it had all these physical health benefits, and I thought it was quite interesting the way it was explained, without getting into too much detail, that it had to do with pulling the information out of an area in the brain that would keep it. Uh, or, you know, that would keep the information as part of having to be alert or being in fight or flight and putting it somewhere where it was simply information. I thought that was really quite um, interesting in the context of nonlinear movement, of course, and somatic modalities and somatic therapies to um, for people to have studied that uh, and see where it goes in the brain and what actually happens. So that said, the writing protocol is simply Uh, four times so you do four times 15 minutes you can do more than 15 minutes uh, or you can do four times 15 minutes where you write about a in, in the way it was studied they said write about the worst thing that has ever happened to you and Um, And you do that for 15 minutes, four times. And in those studies, it's shown that people who did that, you can do it on four consecutive days, or you can do it four weeks in a row or twice in a week. It doesn't really make much difference. But people who did that had drastic changes in uh, their health levels uh, for long periods of time, even though it was a one time uh, protocol. So, Um, I listened to that on the plane and as it uh, happened, I was on this super long flight because the Icelandic volcano had erupted that day. So they detoured us over the North Pole and it took close to 14 hours. So I did an entire protocol of like an entire four sessions while I was on the plane. (laughs) <laughs> because I had nothing else to do, and I had a lot of time and it uh, and I really wanted to try it. And it was really, really good. Um, really good in the context of it clarified things. But more than the actual theme, it kind of had all these little portals into different experiences that I hadn't thought about in a while or that connected to the event that I wasn't actually aware of that it connected to the event. So um, that's what I've been doing. I've been doing this on four different topics by now. So I've done four sessions on four different topics. So we're we're done with worst thing that ever happened, and we're kind of making our way down the line, in in uh you know in the exploration. And I found it really clarifying and um, interesting uh, as an adjunct to you know nonlinear movement as I do uh, and. Yeah, know, also therapeutic modalities and things like that. It definitely f- was worthwhile doing, and I can highly recommend uh, to anyone doing it because I could feel an immediate difference in, um, I want to say, general well-being, like general disposition, uh, which is really quite interesting because um, I wasn't expecting that.
0: Very interesting indeed. And did you do this writing by hand or did you type it?
1: I did it by hand. I'm really trying to get back to a lot of handwriting because I've noticed that my uh, handwriting had somewhat degraded, of course, by doing so much computer work. And that when I uh, recently, when I started doing more handwriting, that you know my hand would cramp and all kinds of things. So I now make a point of uh, doing every morning my freeform writing by hand. And I did all of this protocol by hand. I filled an entire journal, and it was really good. And it's um, it it just does something different to me because I I like handwriting. So. But they say for the protocol, it makes no difference if you type it or handwrite it. And they also in these in these studies have. Uh, You know, detailed that it doesn't matter if you ever read it again or not, or if you toss it or keep it. Um, So there, there's no benefit to, um, you know, keeping it or rereading it as far as the studies go.
0: I see. And do these four sessions of writing on one subject do they have to be connected somehow? Do they form a four-part quadrilogy, I suppose, of sorts, Uh, or can you go over the same ground? Twice you have to go from different angles. One of them is in verse, for example.
1: Well, in the instruction of the of the original writing protocol, right, and that we we're linking to it, and it's detailed very clearly, right. The instruction is you write about the same event on four different occasions for fifteen plus minutes each, and uh, that's all you're supposed to do. So you go over the same ground. Um, I think for me, I did it a bit different, but that has to do with the fact that some of the things that I consider the worst things that have ever happened to me were well trodden over, like you know the house burning down and the fire and, and things like that. So um, as I wrote, other things would come out, um, which I found very interesting, things that I didn't even think about anymore or uh, that weren't even in my awareness so I let myself uh get a little bit more free form on it as I got more uh into the um you know into the writing protocol and I've um decided to kind of make it an ongoing thing where I did I essentially dedicate a certain amount of my writing my morning writing to, um, going down the road of certain events over time and things like that, just to experiment with it. Um, but what people describe, because a few other people I've told about it are doing it right now. Um, and they describe that the first time you write about it, it's quite heavy you know, because you are trudging up essentially old stuff. And then on the second round, it gets way less heavy and way more um you know, wider picture and then also looking back on things and stuff like that. So it does change over over time. I also have to say that I never managed to just do 15 minutes. It was like, you know, half an hour, sometimes an hour when I had the time over the holidays to do it, where um, it fe- felt really good to detail things and kind of organize them in my mind. And um, yeah, it was good. That's all I can say is it was really, really good.
0: Yes. And speaking of morning writing, last year, 2023, saw you begin a substack. And there's been some very interesting writing coming out of that. I know you've got some plans for 2024 as well. So I wonder if you might say something about the substack. What was behind that? Why did you do that? I understand it's a venue for you to write somewhat more experimentally than you might in other contexts. So this, that's quite interesting. And how do you feel that's gone? And what are your plans for 2024 on your Substack?
1: Yeah, it's probably worth saying for people who don't know what Substack is, it's a platform specifically for writers. So you have a page on there that's your own publication, so it's kind of a really sexy revamp of blogging, essentially, right? if, if we, we could say that. Uh, but it's got really nice features. There's a podcast feature. They've just rolled out some video features, which I haven't used. But most people um, I read on Substack write weekly articles, and a lot of them are quite personal, um, and, you know, quite, uh, meaning quite first person, um, there are some people on there, very famous writers on there as well. Um, you know, and researchers, and there's a bit for everyone. I mean, you can do everything from news to, uh, philosophy, to science, to, uh, you know, more personal writing, um, you know, people who write books, write articles on there. So I quite enjoy reading it. Um, it's really nice to go somewhere where the re- the writing is just really good, you know, and you can kind of follow people and get a sense of their, their rhythm and cadence. So I quite love it. And a lot of people use it to monetize their um writing directly because it's kind of a subscription based program I don't charge for my subject sub stack because um I want to be able to just um you know have fun and not worry that I write something that makes people unsubscribe or things like that so I wanted to just have something that um allows me to be a bit more creative and try different things and that's what I've been doing and it's been really really, pleasurable and sparked all kinds of other creative pursuits. And so I took a break over the holidays and now I'm starting back up with the weekly articles. And it's essentially meant to um, allow me to kind of go a little bit off the reservation in the sense that I'm looking at uh, archetypal and and kind of mythical things connected to relationship and um relationship dynamics and you know more personal reflections and um things I really enjoyed that I want to uh, show other people. Uh, so there's all kinds of different stuff that's happening, and it's been really joyous and pleasant uh, and uh, and fun,
0: right. And speaking of creative outpourings, another twenty twenty three, creative outpouring from you was the 55 flavors of the feminine oracle and practice deck. And that's turned out to be massively popular. We did a retreat on it also, and that was also really, really incredible. So what's that about? And how did you, how did you pull that? How do you have time for all this?
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> the way this went was we, uh, we decided to do a like a residential retreat, which uh, is something I really love doing because, the, you know, there's something about being living together, so to speak, for these five days and somebody taking care of the food, meaning a kitchen and, uh, you know, being able to do uh, long practice sessions and not be really um you know, hampered by somebody else's schedule. Like sometimes, you know, when we've treat we've taught at other retreat centers, there's a schedule. And of course, when you have your own retreat at your, at a retreat center, that's just for us, like what we are doing now in Portugal, it's really cool because I can have longer sessions. I can have shorter sessions. Yeah. We can be super creative. We've been outside, we've been inside, um, we've been in nature. And so, um, I really, really for a long time now wanted to do more work on flavors, flavors as in the embodied different facets or different expressions that all humans carry. And not only women, of course, you know, all all humans have all these different ways that we can express. But we're typically narrowed down to some personal favorites, let's say that, you know, that are natural to our expression, but also kind of societal and familial roles that we have to play. And then for many people, there's like these flavors or these you know expressions that they would like to play with more and nowadays of course people have better outlets for that like you know the whole festival culture is essentially about people getting dressed up in different costumes or being wild and crazy for the weekend or you know having costumes and that that comes out of that real desire to be many other things that we of course also are so to me flavors and flavor practice and considering being different things is in itself super valuable and i think something that's been uh, you know somewhat neglected in in the way we live because it's so narrow in many for many people and then of course also Uh, when we look at the more lineage aspect of the work uh, that we're doing, um, my lineage, you know, in the the workshop offerings, there is deity yoga and the expression of something more like, let's say, exalted or, um, you know, refined through us and, and merging with that. And for that particular exploration, it's also really nice to have, Um, a capacity and a variety to express in different ways. So any which way I looked at it, um, I really wanted to do more work on flavors. So we scheduled a flavor retreat in Portugal, uh, made it residential. I created this entire curriculum around it and then I wanted props. And so so I started looking at uh, gathering flavors that would be uh, useful, Uh, both flavors that people are not used to flavors that they could relate to um, stuff that's kind of almost like a medicine you know some medicinal almost homeopathic flavors that help people um, you know have more boundaries or feel more exuberant or feel a bit happier and lighter or darker and sexier you know all of those kind of things so um in the past when we've done stuff like that i'd go f- and get youtube clips and sometimes you'd find great things on you know on youtube and stuff so i started on that and i was like wait i could just figure it out uh you know on on uh, rendering you know like a voice command or or written command to to uh, image rendering and play around with it till i have what i really want to work with and then that's what i did so i got like heavily into um writing descriptions that would translate into the kind of feeling that i wanted these flavors to have and i spent the entire summer doing that very geekily on my computer really honing the writing so that the writing and the, you know, the, how would I have to write something? So it would have an emotional expression of something and then looking at the images and refining that. And then eventually uh, Photoshopping, some of that and, you know, adding and subtracting and picking. And so I did an enormous amount of renderings and then picked 55 um, to um, users props for the workshop. And, Um, then I figured, well, now that I have them, I might as well have them printed. And then, uh, the next thing was, well, if I'm printing them, shouldn't I just make a deck out of them? And then I wrote practice instructions. And then when I was done with the practice instructions, I figured, well, if I really want to put it out, I should probably also do an Oracle description because not, Everyone wants to practice. So then I sequestered myself for an entire weekend and got into kind of Oracle mode and wrote 55 um, oracle um you know messages. And uh, then eventually it became a booklet and um, a card deck, and now it's available. I I did a first printing just for the workshop, and then uh, then I did a print. Then we did like a box printing uh, for anybody who wanted them, and then we had to do a second edition. So now I made a few changes to the booklet and uh, just for easy uh, reading, and now it's available again uh, as something that. Uh, people can get and practice with or just use it as an oracle and I was saying yesterday uh, you know while I wrote it of course and while I did it I was so into it that I couldn't do it myself but now that a bit of time has passed I pull an oracle card for myself every morning and I read the description and I had forgotten what I wrote so it's like fresh and new for me too (laughs) and it's really fun
0: yeah, that's great. And I wasn't so familiar with this idea of oracle cards before you ha- made this. And each of the cards comes with a ser- sort of de- written description designed to... Right, there it is. Yeah. Nice.
1: <laughs>
0: and uh, what, so what is this idea of oracle cards? It's a whole thing. Um, how do you use those? What, what, what's the way to work with oracle cards generally?
1: Well, I mean, oracle cards nowadays is a whole thing. I mean, most people have used tarot cards, right, which is a very specific set of divination, let's say. And oracle cards, of course, are a bit different in the sense that typically um, the oracle is written by some, you know, tarot cards have a established meaning. You can interpret a bit, but for yourself or different people who make tarot cards do different um interpretations but it's fairly fixed while with an oracle you could you can go anywhere of course and i'm working on uh, making oracle cards out of the 12 facets um you know uh, material as well and um there of course is traditional meanings to to specific cards for instance in this deck there's a few cards that are related to certain archetypes and and, and to certain goddesses through history and things like that. I'm working on a on a male deck right now, which will also be quite a bit of fun, I think. Um, you know, with archetypes and 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 uh, like physical, let, let's say, resonance that we have through mythology or. Um, you know, story, but there's also things that are totally out of left field that we can feel in the body as uh, something that we can resonate with it or that wakes up something. So the Oracle part in in this, so this is the practice part, you know, the waking up or um kind of igniting or sparking expressions or curiosity about expressions. And then the Oracle is essentially something to feel or think as a means of, you know, divination in the loosest sense, meaning uh, there's something to think about and feel that might resonate uh, with what we're working with. And, um, You were there when we did, uh, when people picked um, a card and I wrote those, uh, I read those uh, descriptions for the very, very first time. And it was really uncanny how what people had worked on in the retreat actually connected with the descriptions. And that's one of these really uh, beautiful kind of mystical or mythical aspects of um, allowing, you know, messages to to work with our system, just to finish the whole story around the oracle cards off is—it's just—it's been very, very um, joyous and rewarding to try out new mediums and to um, use writing and and my personal practice as well as my personal preferences. I love cards. I love cards as part of a morning ritual. So to be able to something that directly relates both to my personal practice and to the things we're teaching uh, in the context of embodiment and waking the senses and tuning in and creating proper interception. And, you know, all of that was just really good. And um, why I love cards so much for a morning ritual, and this brings us a little bit more to New Year's stuff, right, and, and people wanting uh, to start new things in the new year, um, I think Being able to have a very simple uh, time in the morning, even if it's just a few minutes, to connect and reflect is very useful. And that's why writing in the morning is good. But my favorite way to do it is to just have a cup of tea, sit. I typically try and get sunlight because that's also really good first thing in the morning. And then I pull uh, an oracle card and I pull some tarot cards often. And I use it as a means of connecting and reflecting before the day starts. And, um, you know, when people go, they want a new routine for the New Year's or they want to establish regular practice and regular uh, engagement. I think that's a really good one to jump into um, in the sense that. When you start your day with something for yourself, that's not arduous or tedious or requires, you know, getting up at the crack of town and, um, you know, working out immediately or running up a hill with a backpack or whatever. Some people find that pleasant, but a lot of people find that a bit harsh in the morning to start with something that's actually um, nourishing uh, is really good for establishing new habits and patterns.
0: Very cool. And that's the 55 Flavors of the Feminine Oracle and Practice Deck. And whereabouts is that available?
1: Well, you can find it uh, at templeofthebodyintheworld.com, which is where all the physical products will be found and there will be more to come this year. Um, There's also a link on the homepage of michaelaboom.com, but you can order it directly and it's shipped directly from templeofthebodyintheworld.com and we'll, uh, of course, link to that.
0: templeofthebodyintheworld.com. Okay. And so my last question to you today, New Year's, New Year's resolutions, uh, that sort of thing. I'm not going to ask you what are your New Year's resolutions particularly, but I am curious if you have uh, any themes of resolutions. You know, sometimes people say, well, I want to focus on health, or I want to focus on creative things, or I want to focus on my relationships, or I want to focus on my career and so on and so forth. What sort of categories do you consider or have you been considering as you've been looking ahead to
1: 2024 well <laughs> i think i want to say first uh that you know i try not to make resolutions in the sense that for me the word resolution and that that you know has this feeling of i must wrestle myself into something or you know do better or things like that which um, I don't actually want to engage for anyone else or for myself in the sense that I think um, you know this whole idea that in the middle of winter when we really should be resting and uh, you know laying fallow, so to speak in the in the cycle of the body, that you kind of you know start these massive things. Um, I don't want to really go down that road for myself. Or encourage it in anyone else. So the whole idea, and that was the idea in the call yesterday as well, which we'll also link uh, here, uh, the replay of that, is how can you sustainably enter um, with more of what you want to do and maybe let go of some of the things that you don't want to do anymore that are not really useful which is more in the let's say vision and intention uh, domain, I think, than in the resolution kind of uh, domain. That's just me and the way I would like to look at it. Uh, and so, f- for me personally, I think this year has a lot to do with. Um, well, I mean, <laughs> it's it, this question is definitely. A hard one to uh, answer because on one end, I'm crazy excited about the year ahead in the sense that I have a lot of energy and a lot of attention and a lot of go get it in the realm of us being back out on the road. I'm just so excited about, you know, um, being live with people, but also new online programs that are like really stuff. I love uh, teaching like you know, the archetypal stuff, the mythical stuff. We're doing the five flavor families this year, which is mythical archetypal, very specific kind of fun engagements. So I'm, I'm really, really crazy about that. I'm happy we're going back to Amsterdam. We're doing Portugal. We're doing a month in Australia. Right. So it's like, I'm, I'm ready and raring to go and get on the roads. So Mm -hmm that's there and i'm not going to lie and say that i don't have a lot of you know great intentions and excitement for that but at the same time what i would like to do and i talked a little bit about that with the handwriting is to kind of go back to things that i used to really enjoy that have gone by the wayside because of um you know spending a lot of time on a computer and uh, on my phone and you know in the digital domain so uh, one of the things that I've promised myself this year is to do a lot more handwriting, handcrafting, um, you know, creating things. I've started Lino cutting, um and uh, you know, as a means of uh, doing a bit of art and maybe another set of oracle cards and 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 all of those kind of things that personally give me a lot of creative, juice and joy and, uh, excitement. So that's my personal, uh, new new year's resolution is a little bit of the back to nature, back to, um, using my hands, using my body, um, writing art. Um, uh, and I know that then that influences a lot teaching and, you know, the things I enjoy, um, creating for other people. How about you?
0: Yes. Well, for me, I think the one thing I'm always trying to do is to seize the season, in a sense. And by season, I don't necessarily mean spring, summer, autumn, winter, that that sort of season, although perhaps also. But what is there to be done? What's What's the thing to be doing at the moment? Because very often opportunities and configurations of life circumstances, they don't necessarily last. the time there are certain time i think back for example we traveled together all over the world and we had that and then of course pandemic came and we were not able to do it but we sure made the most of it when we could do it and then the pandemic came and we really made the most of that pandemic it must be said but then that also changes and that also opens up and a new season to use that term in a more sort of metaphorical way opens up so i think for me I attempt to be sensitive to what are what is the particular configuration of my life? What are the opportunities that Mm. it presents and especially the sorts of opportunities that are in a way most notably transient? So that I make sure to be focused in the right sorts of directions uh, for that particular Period of time.
1: Well, that's quite interesting. And uh, when I'm listening to you, um, I'm wondering how do you determine or how do you know um, what to put most of your energy towards? Right. So, you know, I was talking about being super excited about um, teaching and traveling, but also wanting to do something completely different that requires different kinds of energy. So, how do you um, allot energy to? to those cycles and seasons?
0: Well, I think it's a combination of gut instinct and discipline. Those two things together, if gut instinct and discipline are able to work hand in hand, or I suppose intestine in uh, a <laughs> gauntlet or whatever, <laughs> uh, then, um, then I know I'm, I'm on the right track. Got instinct without discipline is indulgent. Discipline without instinct is dead and runs out of of, uh, that ability to break into new ground or to refine or hone something in a living way. You get too far away from the fire at the heart of the forge, so to speak. So when they're together, balanced together, if I can bring them together, then that's the case. So I trust my instincts. As to that question, and I make sure to apply uh, rigorous discipline to that, and that's that's always guided me well so far. Thank you. Well, that was very interesting indeed. Thank you, Michaela, for this conversation. Do you have any uh, last remarks uh, you'd like to make before we wrap up this episode?
1: Thank you. I think this was a nice uh, way to jump back into. Um, recorded and uh, you know podcast so we'll send out a call for ask me anything episode Um, I want to also go into a few realms of uh, inquiry that people typically have right around relationships around uh, embodiment trauma things like that so uh, look forward to picking it back up
0: thank you very much Michaela thanks Steve